good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. Let's see, I have a few announcements before I get started. Um, so, um, we have, if you haven't signed up for the journey, if you're new here, you want to get involved, you'd like to get connected and be plugged in, uh, we'd love for you to sign up for the journey in May. You can sign up at the Welcome Desk, you can sign up at the Church Center app. If you don't have the Church Center app, I had to clarify that the other night that it's not the Church Center app, Church Center app, okay? Uh, Church Center app, that's where you can sign up for anything we have going on. You can also give on there. You can check your kids in with the app. It's really nice. You can see our event calendar, so you'll never miss what's going on at the Father's house. Um, get the app. It is just like a one-stop place for everything. So sign up for the journey. If you're new, you want to get involved, want to join the church, that is your next step. Somebody say next step. We also, we are, we are going to do baptisms. People have asked to get if they could get baptized on Easter Sunday because their family will be here. Um, so we're not legalistic. So we weren't like, no, our baptisms are on the third Sunday. We'll get into that later. Um, but we're going to have baptisms on, on Easter Sunday. Um, so if you need to get baptized still, sign up today. Sign up at the Welcome Desk. Sign up on our website. We'd love to have you get water baptized. That is your next step if you've recently been born again. Amen? Also, continue to bring Easter candy. We'll be giving out a whole bunch of candy on Easter Sunday. We would love your donations. Look at your neighbor and say, bring some candy. All right, we still have small groups. If you're looking for community, you're looking to be discipled and grow in your faith, there are still small groups that are open and available. You can figure that out also on the Church Center app. Somebody say Church Center app. You're getting the hang of this right now. And then also you can sign up at the Welcome Desk. We'd love to have you um, join in on some of our small groups if you're not all ready. Amen? Also, um, make sure I'm not forgetting anything. The book. We have a new book at the Welcome Desk. Um, if you, our books at the Welcome Desk are books that we just love and we believe in that are there to equip you um, in your faith. So we have a new book on parenting. Somebody say amen. <laughs> How many of you need help parenting if you have kids? And if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> oh, the book is called Raising Emotionally Intelligent Children. You notice it's not called raising extremely obedient children. There's a difference. But raising emotionally intelligent children to learn how to cope with their emotions, not to be a disapproving parent, or I don't even remember the other ones, the bad ones, um, but to be a good, be a coach and see emotions as an opportunity to connect with your kid, not just to get them to shut up. It's quiet in here, but amen. How many of you know to be a healthy church, we got to have healthy families. In order to have healthy families, you got to have healthy parents. In order to have healthy parents, you got to have healthy parenting. And to have healthy kids, you got to have healthy parents. <laughs> right? Um, church attendance will not get your family healthy. It won't get your kids healthy either. It will help. Somebody say assist. It will assist you in this March Madness season. You all know what assist means, some of you. Um. I'm just going to release from the pulpit this morning that Florida Atlantic will probably not win. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'd be a miracle. So, anyways, um, that's all stuff. Is that everything? It is? Okay. Hey, we have um, Larry Bartley, you just threw me all the way off. You kind of look like my brother JJ. And I was like, dang, my brother's in the house today. Let's go. Nope, just my brother in Christ, Larry. Love you too. Um, anyways. So, um, yeah, as I was just praying this morning before we get started, uh, I felt what I feel in the spirit is something I read the other day from Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you know Smith Wigglesworth, a wild man? If you don't, look him up. He's pretty crazy. Um, but he said something, uh, I don't know when it was, but he said something like this. Uh, he said, when the, when the word and the spirit begin to marry in the church, how many of you know you got churches that are... Like, it's all about the Bible. The Bible, the Bible. we got to read the Bible. It's all about the Scripture. And we memorize 150 verses. And then you got churches that, okay, it's all, it's all about the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit to move. And the Holy Spirit woke me up this morning and filled my water up and told me to open my door. You see where I'm going. And Smith said something like this. He said, but when you see those two begin to marry in the church, you're going to see the greatest move of God the earth has ever seen. And I just want to declare this morning that that is, that is what is at this church and will be. 
If you're too far in the crazy spirit charismatic world, you're probably not going to like being here. I'm just telling you. Because we want to be balanced in the word of God. We want to be rooted in God's word. Amen? There's a stigma that that Pentecostal or charismatic or spirit-filled, whatever you want to call yourself Christians, don't know the Bible. And that shouldn't be it. That shouldn't be a good thing, right? But no, we do know our Bibles. And not do we only know our Bibles, but we live by our Bibles. We don't just memorize them and, and study them, but we actually let them transform us. Amen? Amen. So I believe that's what God is doing. That's what he's continuing to do. We, we love moments with God, but we also love education and growing and learning and discipleship. Because I'm here to tell you, that, that's, the, that's the hard work of the kingdom. The hard work of the kingdom is going to the marriage coaching. Because you, you can get a revelation in a Sunday morning saying, man, I know I want more God. Man, I want to change. But then what God is actually saying to you is like, hey, sign up for the marriage coaching. Thank you. Some people that went through the marriage coaching. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? And But that's what God is saying. He's not just saying, man, I, I don't want to go on too long on this. I'm not going to, I promise. I just feel like I want to continue to lay the foundation of what God is doing in this church. He is transforming minds. And people are beginning to change in their life. And some of it's taking gradual time. But we're seeing lasting change in our church. Lasting change, not just some physical manifestation at a prayer time. We're seeing a lasting change. And I'm for both. <laughs> I love what they said uh, back in the day, you know. It's not about how high you jump in the worship service. It's about the way you walk when you come down. Amen? So I want God to touch us. I want him to touch me. I know he has touched me, but when he touched me, it's changed me. Amen? Amen. So I'll move on. Uh, but we are, we are beginning to see and going to continue to see a marrying of the word and the spirit. Amen? Amen. So um, the last few weeks I've been talking about um, tearing down altars. I've been talking about how God, I believe what God is doing is he's calling the church. Somebody say, that's me. To holiness. Somebody say holiness. He's calling us to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart. But let me make it very clear what he's not trying to do. He is not calling the church to legalism, but he is calling the church to holiness. And I'm going to try to paint a clear picture this morning of what I believe the differences are between the two. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We bless you. We thank you so much, God, that you are holy. And these aren't just words that we sing, but God, you are truly set apart, and you are calling your church to be set apart from the world. But God, let us be motivated by the sacrifice on the cross that you've made. Let our delight be in your ways. That God, we're not doing it because we're just afraid of you, God. But like John Bevere would say, that we're doing it because we're afraid to not be with you. (laughs) Afraid to be out of your presence. So Lord, we just invite you to give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name. Could you just put your hands in front of you like this to receive? We're going to say a prayer out loud. It's a good one, I promise. Say, I love this pastor. Just kidding. I lied at the beginning. I apologize. Say, Jesus, I receive anything that's from you and anything else. I don't receive it. Amen. Amen. Listen, you know how you know? That's a good prayer. Go ahead. Man, you guys are excited today. It's because we're close to Easter. I don't know what's going on. Um, make sure I stay on the right track here this morning. You know how you know if you really have a heart to receive on a Sunday morning? You know how you know if you can look back over the past year and know if you've had a heart to receive? When I preach messages or anyone preaches messages, do you listen for yourself or do you hear for other people? When you hear messages of things, do you just hear, oh, I know some people, oh, I know some people that need to listen to that. I know some people need to hear that part. And you don't hear anything that applies to you. And then you go on saying, well, I'm not getting fed. Sheesh. Maybe, maybe you've turned off your ear to hear. And you're just thinking, well, I'm good. I got everything figured out. 
I'm not on drugs. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm good. Now, let me tell you this morning, God is trying to take you from glory to glory. He's trying to take you to look more and more like Christ. If you still look anything like your old self, there's more for you. Amen? Somebody say amen. Come on. All right, here we go. So we're going to talk about legalism. Somebody say legalism versus holiness. Some people say the word legalism is not in the Bible. Well, let me remind you the word trinity is not in the Bible either. Uh-oh. But the concept and the definition of the trinity is found in the Bible. I used to have kids in the youth group say, well, does the Bible say that I can't smoke weed? No, there's not a verse in James chapter 2 that says, hey, don't smoke marijuana, young man. But there is a verse that says, be sober. Be sober-minded. Right? So legalism, holiness, just because we don't see it, but you're going to see it a lot of, in a lot of different areas today. And I want to paint a picture today. And let me just say this. Legalism can look a lot like holiness. And holiness can look a lot like legalism. And let's just hopefully I'll paint a good picture today of the difference between the two. Amen? I'm going to step on a lot of toes today, everybody's toes, including mine. Somebody say, I'm ready. I got my boots on. (laughs) But listen, God is calling his church not to be legalistic, but he is calling us to be holy. Can somebody say amen? They can look similar, okay? So um, Dr. Michael Brown says legalism, let me explain it for you. Legalism is rules without relationship. Rules without relationship. Emphasizing standards more than the, excuse me, emphasizing standards more than the Savior and laws more than love, Okay? It is a system based on fear and characterized by joyless judgmentalism, producing futility instead of freedom. So let me just say this quickly. It is rules without relationship. And let's get into Mark chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. If you have your Bible, I'm going to go over a whole ton of scripture today. We'll see what happens. Whole lot of stuff going on here. I'll try to read this. The Pharisees, how many of you know a Pharisee were the religious people? Right? Not the crazy lost sinner that was the prostitute, but the religious ones, the ones who knew the law. The Pharisees and certain scribes who came from Jerusalem gathered around him, him being Christ. When they saw some of his disciples eat the bread with the with defiled, that is, richly unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, unless they wash their hands richly, do not eat, keeping the tradition of the elders. Somebody say Tradition. When they come from the market, unless they wash, they do not eat. And there are many other traditions which they have received and observed. Traditions that they have and receive. Pay attention, please. Such as the washing of cups and pitchers and bronze vessels and dining couches. I'm not sure what that is. So the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, as it is written, these people honor me. Jesus, Jesus responded, okay, saying, why aren't your people following our man-made traditions? And Jesus responds with kind of a harsh word, but he's quoting the prophet Isaiah when he says, Isaiah prophesies to you hypocrites, and it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This defines what it means to be a legalistic, religious type of person. He's saying you you love the tradition of man, the rules, without the relationship. And you push those rules and traditions of man that God didn't actually give on other people. Right? So, here we go. Keep following me. I'm on your lips, but I'm far from your heart. Somebody say, not me. Jesus, I love you with all my heart. Amen? And not on my lips, as I can say the right, oh, Lord, I bless you. Oh, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed and highly favored and saved. And... But in your heart, you don't actually love people. You don't actually love your brothers and sisters. You don't actually love people who are addicted and afflicted. When the Bible says when Jesus saw the lost people, he saw them as a, a sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion. If you don't have compassion on the lost, then you don't have the heart of Jesus. And he's saying, you can talk all you want. 
But then he would go on to say, you know, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. That's why Paul would say, it's not, I didn't come with eloquent speech or lofty words. It's not about how good you talk. It's not about how good you pray. I hate it when people say, oh, I, that person prays real good. Prayer is just talking to the Lord. You don't have to have a million words to say. It can be very simple. And sometimes if we're not careful, you can just have this lip service prayer to God that's not actually from your heart. Right? So, he says, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, pay attention to this, verse 7, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things that you do. Legalism has made it where we've made up church traditions that actually God has nothing to do with. It's going to be a fun day. So we, we got to be careful. Listen to me. We have to be careful that we are not following actually legalistic church traditions and not actually following the Lord. I know. It's going to be wonderful. So man-made traditions. So for an example, God gave them the law, which was what? It was the Ten Commandments. One of those laws was to keep the Sabbath, right? To keep the Sabbath holy, a day of rest. And so that's all he said. That's all he gave them, keep it holy, rest. And then they were like, oh, okay, well, well what, what, is, what is considered rest? I don't know. Can, I, can we walk on the Sabbath? Can we run on the Sabbath? Can we jump on the Sabbath? Can we wash dishes on the Sabbath? Can we take care of our animals? Can, they even got to this part. Can we even pick up our children off the ground on the Sabbath? I mean, what do we do? And I believe what God was actually saying, it wasn't so much about these fine details. He was saying, I just want relationship with you. God is trying to function between you relationally and not just trying to tell you every single tiny thing to do. He'll speak to you. When people get born again, God will start to speak to them. The Holy Spirit will start to put his finger on things they need to change. It doesn't all happen at once. But you see this, they were like, okay, what can we do? So can we pick up stuff? Can we, if our, if our, our cattle falls into a hole, are we allowed to pick it up? I mean, they just, they started adding all this. So they came up with all kinds of rules and traditions. Like we gotta, I don't know, we gotta explain this more. And they started putting these heavy things on people. Started putting these traditions and different things like that, for example. But they were, I'm not saying it was all bad. But they're just trying to interpret things. Let's look at John 5, 8 through 12, and verse 16. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus heals a man, okay? At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which was a, this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, isn't it the Sabbath? The law forbids you to carry your mat, but he replied, the man who made me well said to pick up your mat. Let's say it like this. He's like, Jesus told me so. I love watching The Chosen because in The Chosen, they're like, this is the law of God. And Jesus says, I am the law of Moses. And I'm like, whoa. Like, that's a powerful, powerful moment. And they rip their clothes. And let me just say this. Don't let some silly traditions. I mean, I went to a Bible study the other day. I was in Ohio County at a rehab. And I was praying. The Lord said, talk about legalism. And I just started talking about, let me give you some examples. It's the King James Version only. Legalism. The Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Everything else is a translation. Unless you can read and speak Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, then you're being sinful as well. I love what Smith Wigglesworth says. Some people, some people like to read their Bible in Greek. Some people like to read it in Hebrew. I like to read mine in the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus would also say in the Bible, the Holy Spirit's coming to lead you into all truth. So I would actually say the big problem today in the world that we're not inviting the Holy Spirit into our Bible study. All right, I'll move on. And we start just to try to make sense of everything about God instead of receiving revelation. He says, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Doing what things? Healing the sick. Performing miracles. The religious spirit, the legalism spirit. 
I remember one day we had a guy years ago who got saved off methamphetamine at this church. His wife got saved, got born again. They started bringing like 20 people to church. We put him on the usher team. He started taking up the offering. We had somebody call the church, ring, ring, ring. Hey, uh, uh, there's a guy taking up the offering. He's got tattoos on his neck. He's got shorts on while he's taking up the offering. They should have the same color suit and tie on. If I'm talking to you, receive it. Because the Lord is trying to break something. He's trying to break something that actually is withholding the truth. And I said, man, hold on a second. Are, are you talking about the guy who just got sober and gave his life to Jesus and we went to his house and he gave his weed back to his dealer and his wife got saved? Are you talking about him? Because if you're talking about him, not only do we want him here, we want to fill the whole church with people like him. But a legalistic spirit... And I, I'm just telling you, that lady left our church. And if that's how you feel, I love you. See you later. <laughs> Never mind. I shouldn't say that. I love you. Repent and turn. <laughs> because then you just go to the next church and do the same thing at that church and be the same burden to that pastor. How about repent and let the Lord change you and shift you now? Forgive me, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Keep my heart good, Lord. They were missing what Jesus was doing. Right in God, the God that they worshiped, they were missing what he was doing, and he was right in front of them because of religious traditions. Well, these songs, brother, the hymns, they are so rich, I can't even receive from these songs. You're doing the same thing. These songs are glorifying him. Legalism will come in and say, I can't worship to him. Whoo! We're going to change the pews and get chairs. Oh, my God. And heaven above. Don't you know that Jesus was a carpenter? <laughs> Jesus built these pews. No, no. My goodness. The traditions of men come in, and then we start to bring division in the church because of things that God never actually said. And then the church is divided over things that aren't even in the Bible. It's clear in the Bible what we should stand for. You know, one of my, my biggest pet peeves, I, I, when I dress up, there's some people in town, some ministers, I won't say who they are, but they, if they see me out and I'm at a convention or I'm, I have a suit and tie on, they'll say things like this to me. Oh, you look like a preacher today. Oh. Oh, Lord, help me. Could you imagine Jesus hanging on this cross naked, brutally murdered? That's what a preacher looks like. (laughs) Jesus didn't have the nicest things. And I'm not saying, like, I got some nice shoes on right now. I got a nice watch. I look pretty nice today. And I'm not saying that it's bad to dress up. It's rules without relationship. If you come to church and, God, I love to dress up. I love to honor you with the way I dress. I feel proud of the way I dress. That is completely awesome. Go for it. But when someone else comes in, they got a t-shirt on. Oh, goodness gracious. Hope they're not sitting close to us. It's Easter. You know, if you were here last Easter, what did I wear? A t-shirt and jeans. Why? The Lord, I was preparing my message on Saturday night, like all pastors do, finishing it off. And the Lord, what he, the Lord said to me, Mike, I want you to wear your black pants and your white Nikes and your black T-shirt tomorrow. I was like, hold on a second, Lord. Tomorrow's Easter. Even my kids are going to be looking nice. <laughs> my daughter's going to be looking at their little Easter dress on. The Lord said, just do what I say. Yeah. Okay, Lord. <laughs> and then we had a lady, the testimony she shared. I didn't know what to wear. I was so intimidated by all the other girls wearing dresses. I felt like the Lord told me just to wear my T-shirt came that day and I was wearing the same outfit she was. Right? But let me tell you what, what, what holiness isn't. Holiness isn't just having your freedom to do what you want. No. Holiness is the freedom to follow him. And so, I, I, so it's not this one or, you know what I mean? So, we got to get past maybe, for an example, like silly things, like, like a Sunday morning service. Some people, do you know there's denominations that are like, no, the Sabbath is on Saturday, biblically. And they believe if they go to church on Sunday, then they're in sin, and we're all sinning here today. 
And then you don't eat pork, and you're not supposed to eat pork. We're supposed to hold on to parts of the law. What, God, what Jesus was saying to the, the Pharisees, he was saying, just by keeping the rules alone, you cannot be saved. He was saying, you still have to have Christ to be saved. But he wasn't saying, there isn't some things I want you to change in your life. He was saying, you can't just be good enough. I remember we were outside of the jail one day, had hot dogs, and there was this guy. Uh, he was of the Catholic faith. And I remember I was praying with him about Jesus, and I was like, man, he loves you if you give your life to him. And he just said this one thing. He said, well, you know, I, I just hope that, you know, I'm going to be a good person as best I can. And if I get to heaven, and I, I hope he lets me in. I said, listen, it's so much better than that. <laughs> you can't be good enough. You can't work hard enough. You can't cross the T's and dot all the I's and make it in. It's only by his blood. And if you just receive that, you're not going to have to worry about your good outweighing your bad because the Bible would say that no one is righteous, no, not one. Your righteous deeds cannot get you to heaven. Paul would even say they're like filthy rags. It's nothing. You have to have the blood of Jesus. You have to have. Jesus is the only way to heaven, church. He's the only way, not because we're being religious and we're trying to shame people. It's because it's actually the truth. And we live in a time today where people are saying, well, this is your truth, that's my truth. Let me just break that down really quickly why that doesn't work. You could say, well, I don't believe your name is Michael Cisneros. That's my truth. Well, then you're crazy. (laughs) You You can't make something absolutely true go away because of your unbelief. You could say, well, I don't believe north is north. The river is south of here. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me say it like this. Well, I don't think I'm a boy. I'm actually a girl. It doesn't matter. You can, it doesn't, there are things that are absolutely true. Jesus just so happens to be one of those things. The gospel so, so happens to be one of those things. Here's some things that are not absolutely true, but some of you might think they are. Chick-fil-A is the best fast food restaurant on the planet. How many of you agree with that? It's true to you. But some people are like, some people that are heathens and lost in sin, they believe that Zaxby's. <laughs> Man, Zaxby's. I'm like, what? Are you even born again? Are you even saved? Really? But that is an, uh, that is a, uh, excuse me, a subjective truth. That's an opinion. Those things we can disagree on. I can't go to my, my bank and say, hey, I want to get out $10,000. I can say, hey, you don't got $10,000. I can say, oh, no, no, no. That's true for you, but that's not true for me. <laughs> They're going to say, uh, okay, you don't have $10,000, bud. When you get pulled over and the officer pulled, how fast are you going? Well, actually, I was going 45. No, you were going 75. That's not true for me, actually. Why don't you try that? Why don't you try that the next time something happens? See how that goes for you. Your truth, our truth. How about the truth? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It just so happens that he actually is. And he's actually good. And he's full of love. And he's full of mercy. I love what people say. They're like, how could a loving God send people to hell? I'm like, why would you choose hell over a loving God? There's, he's, he, he comes after us. He's not, man, Jesus said himself, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. He's not just here to shame you. All right, come on, somebody. But we have all this stuff and these ridiculous traditions about, about what days and, and, and or whatever it could be, or about holy days, or about Christmas. or like, oh, that's not really Jesus' birthday. His birthday is in the spring. My goodness. We can't, you know what I'm saying? Uh-oh, we painted the back wall black. Don't you know that black represents sin, Pastor? I've heard it all. And the person who was telling us had on a black outfit. And I said, and I'm just, sometimes I can be kind of smart, Ellie. I said, do you sleep with your light on? Because darkness is, he's brought us out of the darkness. We turn the lights down on Sunday morning. Jesus brought us out of the darkness. Legalism. My goodness. I told you I was going to hurt some people's feelings today. I love you. I wasn't lying. But, I mean, you got a certain, we're getting, we're seeing this a lot too. Certain denominations are, do I have to wear skirts? Do I have to wear them down to here? And let me, do I, is, is, is this too much? Is this too much? Is this too much? What is enough? It's just modesty. And I'm not saying the opposite of modesty is just wearing booty shorts to church. Because I'm free in Christ. 
No, there's holiness that God is calling you to. But don't let religious traditions of men, we've been seeing this a lot, like two people are like, well, do y'all baptize in Jesus' name or do you baptize in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? And I love to tell people, you know, his name wasn't even Jesus. It was Yeshua. And he actually said, that's a whole other sermon. But we gotta be careful we're not putting religious traditions above what God is actually saying and actually you're putting yourself in bondage. You know why I won't baptize people here in Jesus' name? There's one, one reason. Because I want to, if God called you out of that denomination, out of that heresy, we're going to break it. And we're not going to partner with it any longer. I know. I know. I'm sorry if I offended you. I still love you. Hmm. We got to have baptism before. I mean, I remember we've had people get born again during the worship service. And I remember this one guy asked me, well... How'd they get saved during the worship service? You didn't even share the gospel yet. I said, I don't know. I guess Jesus saved them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm hearing of stories where Jesus is just revealing himself to Muslims in their dreams, and, and they're just getting born again. There's no pastors, no evangelists. There's no Bibles. We start to put God in these boxes that he never was designed to be in, and you find yourself being very legalistic, and you find yourself being self-righteous and self-motivated, and looking down upon people because they don't dress up as nice as you do on a Sunday morning. Man, they're wearing. You know, my daughter came to me this morning. She had on socks and flip-flops. I'm talking about the ones that go between your toes. Like, this is a big no-no in how you dress. If you're doing that today, God bless you. You get delivered this morning. But she's like, Dad. Can I, can I wear my socks and my sandals? I said, babe, I said, those, those sandals, I was trying to reason with her a little bit, right? Those sandals, that's why it has that little part between your toe because socks aren't supposed to go between your toe like that. Oh, and then she shows me it's working fine for her. <laughs> oh, it's, comp- <laughs> dad, no, look, dad, no, that's wrong. Dad, look, my, yeah, that's a bad argument, dad. And then I have this moment where I can be a legalistic religious father. And teach my daughter that it's about traditions and silly rules. Or I can say, hey, you know what you're for? You want to wear that? Go for it. (laughs) I don't want her to know that God is just trying to put these silly traditions on her. And I didn't shame her for, well, that's not cute and that's not. And really what we're, you know what we're really saying? It's going to make me look bad. It's not going to make him look. Do you think God cares that Mercy has on sandals right now? Um, Some of y'all are like, I don't know. He doesn't. (laughs) Let me me tell you very quickly. He does not. You know why? Because he would even say in the Old Testament, man, somebody say man. Man looks at the outside. But God looks at the heart. So he's saying you can dress. He's basically saying this as well. You can't fool me by how you talk or how you dress, because I can see through all of that. You might come, well, listen, well, I tithe. And Jesus would go on to say that. He said, some of you even tithe your garden vegetables. You even tithe your birthday money, your Christmas money. But he says, but you avoid the greater things, like mercy, the stuff in your heart. But then people use that verse, say, I don't need to tithe. No, he goes on to say, those things you should do, but not avoid the greater things. Well, you tithing off your net or off your gross? You tithing on your tax, in, your tax income too? It belongs to every increase, boy. My Lord. Huh. New Testament would say, each man decide in their own heart what they should give. The 10% gives us a starting place in the principle, I believe. Are you ready? If you don't give that, you still can go to heaven because the law isn't binding anymore. It's a choice now, but it doesn't mean we don't do things, but it means we do them out of love and delight in the Lord. And we, God has been so generous to us, we get to be generous with him. And I would argue that 10% is not very generous. Go take 15 people out to eat at Texas Roadhouse and give the waiter a 10% tip and see how happy they are. I'm moving on, moving on, moving on. It's not a sermon about that. 
but let's not place religious traditions that God has never placed in the church. I, I got friends, you know, they started churches. Their services are on Sunday night at 4 p.m. So if, if that really bothers you in your core, it's legalism. There's nothing in the Bible where he says, listen, whenever this all comes and everything's good and go, uh, Sunday morning's 1030, okay? It's universal all around the world. No, we've just made that decision, right? I wonder what would happen. I'm not going to do it. Who knows? We'll do what God says. <laughs> you move the service to four, who wouldn't come? It's because there's legalism in your heart. <laughs> Or you got a job. That's different. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, I got to work. I'm like, okay, I'm not talking to you. So legalism doesn't deal with the heart like holiness does. Legalism tries to clean you up from the outside in. Let me say it again. Legalism tries to clean you up from the outside in. A legalistic sermon or altar call would sound like this boy you when you stop drinking you better stop doing drugs you better start dressing nicer and then you come down here to these altars and Jesus will take you no there's no talk of grace no talk of mercy no talk of the mercy of God I love this old story Pastor Chris told before it's kind of cheesy, but I like it. He talks about this cowboy came into a church in Texas. He had a, you know, had a, he's never been to church before. He had a hat on. He had a rough boots on. His boots were dirty. The pastor said, oh, man, man, we're glad you're here. He gave his life to Jesus, and he said, hey, but do me a favor. When you get home, ask the Lord what he wants you to wear next time before you come back. And the guy was like, okay, I, I guess I'll do that. And so the, it goes on for months. The pastor doesn't see the guy again. And he sees him at the grocery store and says, hey, man, we haven't seen you. It's been a while. Hey, what hey did you ask God about what to wear, uh, you know, when you come back to our church? He said, yeah, I did. I did ask God. But God said he didn't know. He's never been there. <laughs> it's pretty good. This is about the time if Carter was here, he'd shake his head like, Dad, stop, stop telling us jokes. Hmm. So we got to be careful not to just set up rules and limitations um, and restrictions. But there is a time and a place for those rules, limitations, and restrictions. Amen. Matthew 23, 27, 28. Woe to you, leaders and teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like the whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. And he's still being a loving father, by the way. But this is how stern Jesus actually gets with the religious legalistic spirit, not with the dirty sinner. You've seen the way he acts towards the person in repentance. He runs with mercy. He gets a little stern with the legalistic religious people and says, you know why he does? Because he says you're going to lead people astray and put bondage in them I'm trying to set them free from. And he doesn't play with that. You know? I don't, I want my, I want my daughters to have a relationship. You know, I don't want them to think that going to church is just about how we look. And I, you know, and I'll try to talk to her about it. Hey, you know, don't you like to wear a dress? Daddy likes when you wear a dress. You look so pretty. And she might say, no. <laughs> I like to wear my flip-flops, Dad. It works out fine. I'm like, okay. What, I don't know if you remember, Greg Carter for years would just wear athletic wear. And now he's dressing a little nicer. I just never made him do it. And now, guess what? He's like, Dad, will you buy me some like, cool clothes, nice clothes? You know, he wants to dress a little nicer now. I'm like, okay. He wants to dress like his dad. Looky there. What a sweetie. <laughs> so God is saying, following the rules isn't enough if you don't have a relationship with him. Amen? All right. So why do many believers, and I'm, glory to God, 10 minutes. Why do many believers resist holiness? Ready? Dr. Michael Brown says one major reason is that many of them have been hurt by legalism. And so they immediately associate holiness with legalism. If you've been a legalistic religious parent, you can, you can without trying to actually push your kids away from the Lord, 
because we're, you know what I'm, it's just how things can work. So people are like, well, we, we talk about holiness. People are like, no, 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 that's, that's con- condemnation, that's rules. You ain't putting the law on me. And it's like, no, 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 maybe some people were just wrong about their silly traditions they had. You gotta wear a suit and tie. You gotta do these certain things. You gotta clean yourself on the outside. You, you gotta shave your face. You gotta be clean shaven. You can't be on the platform if you got tattoos. Blah, 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 blah. God's like, I never said any of that. And maybe if someone in your life has treated you that way, they were wrong. They were absolutely wrong. We cannot re- reject holiness just because we've been treated poorly by legalism. God's standard is still holy living out of the right place. Amen? Hmm. Legalism looks like this. You won't tell anybody you're watching certain movies, but you'll go out of town to watch those movies. I had a lady in our church one time say, there was a lady in our church that invited me to go watch a certain movie, but she didn't want nobody to see her, so they went, she wanted me to go to Evansville with her. How many of you know that God is still in Evansville? He's still there, and he's there not being religious, and he's, there, he's actually still there, and he's not happy and not pleased. You're actually drawing someone else into your legalism, and that's why he gets stern about it, you know? Like even things that, you know, there's just so much. And I'm not saying it's bad. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's bad to dress up. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. At the Friend of Sinners banquet, I wore a really nice suit and tie. Very nice. The Lord, he told me, this is a banquet. I need to honor, show transformation, you know? Paul would say it like this. I become all things to all people that I may reach some. When I went to youth camp in Florida, guess what? I bought some cool Nike shoes just for me to wear for the camp. I want to be relatable to these kids. I don't want to show up in a three-piece suit and tie to the youth camp because I'm holy. No. no. I showed up with some Nikes. Showed up with some graphic tees. You know what I mean? But guess what? When I was invited to go talk to the mayor of Owensboro, I showed up in a nice outfit because I become all things to all people that I may reach some. But I'm not showing up self-righteously thinking this is my righteousness. No, no, no. I come in the, the righteousness of Christ Jesus and I'm just giving honor in these situations. I'm learning. Does that make sense? But I'm not mad at people who showed up to the city commissioners meeting in their shorts. Whatever. That's up to them. <laughs> and I try to teach my kids, hey, we're going to go meet the mayor. And some people might think that. When I go to God's house, I meet with God. I want to dress up. More power to you. Praise Jesus, man. That's awesome. Wonderful. Don't be silly when... You see somebody come in that has a t-shirt on. My goodness. One of the guys I've seen the most transformation in his life in this church has a t-shirt on right now. Why don't you stand up and show everybody your shirt, Blake? And look look what his t-shirt says. Turn around. Do a 360. Slowly. I didn't even tell him to wear that. I called, Blake, you got any holy shirts you can wear? You got to be a really good sermon illustration. It'd be good for the views. We cannot resist holiness because we're scared of old legalistic trauma. And so these Christians, we run from dangerous clutches of legalism and fall into the deadly grasp of license to sin. God has not given you a license to sin. He has broke the power, the penalty of sin and the power for you to sin. He's calling us to live in that. And I'm gonna finish with this. Let me make this very clear. Holy living, ready, is not legalistic. But it can be. People say, well, Mikey, have you watched that show? There's a certain show, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't watch that. Oh, that's religious. No, hold on a second. <laughs> no, I'm trying to be set apart because that show is perverted. And that show has nasty language in it. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't need any help with my flesh. <laughs> I don't need any help. <laughs> I don't need any help, do I, Maddie? Okay, thank you. Hmm. Why don't you do this? I remember when I first got saved, I was at, uh, what's it called? 
I'm just going to be vulnerable right now. I was at Holiday World. I was with Maddie. I was a few months out of, I just came out of a very promiscuous, crazy life, right? Pornography, I watched every day of my life. And I remember going to Holiday World and I seen all these girls in bikinis and everything. I was, and I was just like, you know what? I don't even want to go on Splash of Safari. Some of you are thinking, can I still go there? You're not hearing me. <laughs> I went there last year. But I was at a place, I was just, I was like, man, I was like, I just don't want to go in that place. And I remember some lady walked up to us that we knew, hey, come with us. I said, man, I just don't really want to go in there right now. It's just, oh, don't be religious. No, no, no. I wasn't saying that you can't go. Go. I was saying God's doing something in my heart right now. I'm trying to protect my heart. I'm trying to live holy right now. God's putting his finger on something in my life. I'm trying to break free from some things. But guess what? You ready for this? It's good to understand that limits and restrictions for a season are there because of immaturity. But if you try to keep some limits and restrictions for the rest of your life, then the power will be in the limits and not in the Lord. That's my re-version of what Damon Thompson says. Does that make sense? It's like there's a time for you to have restrictions on your life. And Jesus would say that. Let me look down to this. Jesus would say that. I got a bunch going on here. Go down to Romans 13, 13 and 14, please, guys. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Next verse. Instead, clothe yourself. Somebody say clothe with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Another translation says this, make no provision for the flesh. What does that mean? That means don't play with sin. If you got certain friends that you know aren't living right and aren't doing right things, God is saying, don't go around them. Oh, I can still go around them, it's cool. I think I can make it, it's gonna be fine. No, no, make no provision for it. How many of you know that affairs don't just happen in an instant? They start to make provision for it. They start to let the conversation go a little longer. They start to let the, their eyes go a little longer on the Facebook post. They start to let the, the, the emotional part come out a little bit. And then next thing you know, you find yourself in something you never thought you'd get in. But if you listen to the word of God and it says make no provision, get it away as far as you can. Get it away. And when the Bible even talks about adultery, I'll go here for just a second. It says don't go near the door of her house. It doesn't say make sure not to lay in bed with her. No, it's too late then. It says don't even go, don't even break the plane of the door. You know what I mean? It's saying don't make provision for these things. I don't watch movies and stuff that have perverted stuff and I'll turn them off. You know why? Because I'm not trying to make provision for the flesh. I'm not trying to open the door to something. Next thing I know, I'm on my phone. Next thing you know, I'm back in pornography. I have not watched and participated in pornography in almost 10 years. Right? And it's not because I'm religious and legalistic and self-righteous. It's because I've made, I've got, I got stuff on my phone. My, my wife, I can't even Google certain things. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense what I can't Google. I'm like trying to look up something random on Amazon. It's like I can't, I'm like, what? What does a tent have to do with anything? I don't know. And I can't even do anything because guess who has the password for the explicit content on my phone? Maddie, guess whose idea that was? Mine. Not my controlling crazy wife <laughs> what a psycho wife she is wants to know everything I'm doing I'm just kidding no I said you know what I'm going to make no provision for the flesh God's calling me to holiness let's go to this let me make it very clear 1 Peter 1.16 this is a very simple verse look how this is new covenant it's quoting the old testament since it is written you, somebody say me, shall be holy, for I am holy. Not legalistic, but he is calling us to holiness. Amen? Romans 6, 12, and 13, we're almost done. I love the way the, the Bible puts this, Romans 6, 12 through 13. Look at this, guys. Do not let sin control the way you live, and do not give in to sinful desires. Keep going. 
Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Let's just go back to this. Some people think just because it's a rule or a command that that means it's of the law. This is New Testament. So don't do these things, don't do that thing. Oh, that's legalism, I'm rejecting that, that's condemnation. No, 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 this is New Covenant instruction. This is New Testament instruction. It's not bias, not con- condemning. He's saying, okay, yeah, those things can't actually save you, you still need Jesus, but I'm still calling you to live holy. I've, all, I've never changed from calling my people to live holy, ever. Let me go to another one real quick. Whoo! look at Matthew 5, 29 and 30. This is kind of rough. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better to you to lose one of your members than to your whole body to be thrown into hell. My Lord, that's Jesus speaking. Is he saying actually mutilate yourself? No. It's a hyperbole. It's a, it's a way of speaking. Like for an example, when you got a bunch of groceries, and in those groceries you say uh, something like, man, this weighs a ton. It doesn't actually weigh a ton. Jesus isn't telling you to cut off your eye. He's saying, hey, don't play with sin. Don't make no provision for it. Do whatever you gotta do to get it out of your life. Look how serious God took sin by sending Jesus on the cross. He's not telling us to do anything less. He's saying, now I want you to treat sin seriously in your life. Not condemning, not because you're scared of me, because I'm holy and I'm calling you to holiness. Amen? To transform you. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 because we have these promises of being sons and daughters of God. So this is so cool. It's saying, hey, listen, listen, guys, we're not changing our identity. We're still sons. God is still a loving father. But he says this, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit and let us work toward complete holiness. Ready? Because we fear God. I love what John Bevere says. He said it's not that we're scared of him because you can't be intimate with someone you're scared of. It's because you're scared to be away from him. So good. You know how stupid I was when I was a drug dealer? I got Proverbs 9, verse 10, tattooed down my ribcage. You know what it is? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You want wisdom? You fear the Lord. God, what do you want me to do? What do you say? What are you calling me to? And I was a fool. I didn't catch it back then. I just thought it was a cool Bible verse. I'm glad I got it now. I literally have a tattoo down my side while I was a drug addict. You ready? I did not fear God. I thought it was cool the way I was living and everything was fine, but it was not. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, complete holiness. Another scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 2, for remember what we taught you by the authority of Lord Jesus. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You notice what he's saying there? He's saying holiness isn't human teaching. It's from God. He's saying holiness isn't legalism. It's from the Lord. You actually, If you reject holiness, you're actually rejecting the Lord. But if we reject legalism, we're rejecting men's traditions amen Amen. somebody say make me holy (laughs) and we stand to our feet worship team could you come This past month or so, God's been speaking to me about consecrating my life just even further with him. He's been speaking to me. I told you guys a few weeks ago, he told me no matter what, the rest of my life, he said, Mike, you're never gonna drink again, even though I haven't drank in nine years. He said, you're never gonna do that again. I was like, okay. He said, I'm separating you from the world. He said, I'm calling you out even deeper. And I'm not saying don't, you you can't drink, whatever. (laughs) We're not talking about that. I'm saying, I found myself a couple weeks ago, I was at the Refuge Church, Pastor Todd Smith and North Georgia Revival, they've been doing these baptism services. 
And, and, and Jason Toller has been asking me to come for like months and months. I've just never come. And to be honest with you, I was kind of like, I mean, I've already been baptized. You know, I'm sure it's cool. You know, I don't really think I need to come. <laughs> but finally the Lord said, hey, you need to honor your friendship with Jason. And you really haven't. And I was like, okay, I'll be there. And I went. And last two weeks ago, I found myself in the baptism waters again. And not because I needed to get saved again, because God has been doing something supernaturally in baptism waters and Todd's ministry. So I'm like, you know what? I want more of God. If there's an impartation for me, I'll go. And I went, and I don't go to everything. I just don't. I go where the Lord tells me. And I went, and as soon as I got in these waters, I was kind of like, man, God, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to have some crazy encounter with you? Am I going to shake? Am I going to cry? No. I got in the waters. They were warm. It felt so good. Praise God for our warm thing, temperature, whatever it is we have back there. And as soon as I put my hands under the water, this verse came to me immediately. It's Psalms 24, 3 through 5. It says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of salvation. And I was just like, and I haven't even read that scripture recently. I haven't talked about that scripture. And I just remember, it was just like, boom, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And I felt the Lord, it was just so instrumental for what God is doing in my life. It was just a fresh baptism of cleansing. And saying, like, I'm calm, I'm separating you even further. And I'm like, okay, Lord. And I didn't shake, I didn't cry. I was just like, whoa, God is taking me deeper. Amen. God is not taking this church to ever be a legalistic church, ever, you know? And he doesn't want you to be either. And for some of you, it's not really changing all the things you do, it's just changing your heart. It's good that you don't cuss, maybe, you know? It's good that you don't smoke anymore. Those are good things. But it's just getting in your heart and why are you judging everybody else that does it half the guys at the rehab I go and speak at at both the rehabs they all still smoke but they're sober off methamphetamine and believe it or not they can still go to heaven while they use tobacco and I'll just say it because I got authority to say it the Bible says not to be a slave to anything, including tobacco. Anything. Are you ready? Including food. The church is real loud about marijuana and homosexuality. But then boy comes to the buffet time. Shoo. We, not even that. We just make jokes about it. Boy, I love this. I love me some eating. Dang, the church needs to be consistent. I believe Jesus wants us to be the only thing that we run to when we need help. Not drugs, not pills, not tobacco, not alcohol, not TVs, not video games, not anything. He says, come to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. If you're going to those things, that's okay. But if you're going them to give you rest, it's not okay. The reason why, even when I drank a few years ago or 10 years ago, whatever it was, I could feel that pull to use it to give me a little, break a little edge off my long day. And I felt the Lord saying, no, that's not the purpose for that. I'm the purpose for that. Just like you might open up a whole box of cinnamon rolls. We can laugh a little bit this morning, right? Can we close our eyes? Prayer team, would you come? Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, listen, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to give my life to him. I need to surrender all to him. The Bible says if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. If you're ready to surrender every bit of your life and make Jesus Lord of your life, if that's you, would you lift your hands right now, right where you are? Come on, we're not ashamed of the gospel. Is there anybody? 
I'm ready to give my heart to him completely. I see one. Anybody else? I need to be saved. I need to give. I'm all in today. Is there anybody in this room? I'm all in. I'm going to divorce my, my life with the world, and I'm coming into this marriage with you, Jesus. Is there anybody in this room? Would you lift your hands right where you are? Just wait just another moment. I see that hand back there. Thank you, Lord. See that hand back there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen, if you have your hand raised, you just lift up both your hands. I want you to pray with me. If you have your hand, say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the grave. From here on out, my life is yours. My speech is yours. My money is yours. My job is yours. My family is yours. Everything belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for a few people here? Hey, listen. I need you to do me a big favor. If you had your hand raised or you were with someone who did, do not leave before you come down to these altars. Get a new believer's handbook. Feel, please fill out a connection card. We want to follow up with you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you, uh, get you baptized. We'd love. If, if maybe recently you've gotten saved, get a new believer's book before you leave. They're at the welcome desk. If you need healing in your body, if you need prayer for anything at all, our prayer team is available and equipped to pray with you guys before you go. We bless you guys. Have an awesome, awesome week. Amen, amen.